0: Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. It is so good to see you on this uh, rainy Atlanta day. Thank you for braving the traffic and braving the rain in order to come and gather with us. For those of you who are online, uh, we don't like it, but we don't blame you. Uh, So uh, glad you're warm and cozy on your couch and so glad you're tuning in with us as well. Y'all go ahead and greet a couple people before you're seated. Tell them you're glad to see them today. I've been trying to allow this text to get down into my heart that I hope you would as well. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's what I prayed over you this morning. That's what I prayed over you before I went to bed last night. And it is my earnest hope that you genuinely feel that way, that you are glad that we get to go to the house of the Lord and get to be in the presence of the Lord. And before I move on, I just got to say, uh, I don't know what was in their coffee this morning, uh, but the worship team and the band did not come to play with y'all today. <laughs> my Lord. Listen, man, I was about ready to give up my time. I was like, go ahead and do what you got to do. I'm here for it. Uh, that, was, that was insane, all creatures. I was like, I think when they hit that last thing, the building went. <laughs> I was like, All right. Let's do this. A uh, couple things before we jump in. Number one, uh, you know that Easter is on the way. Uh, Easter is on the way. I cannot believe it is so close. Uh, we we will be at Easter in just a couple of weeks, and we've got a lot of good stuff planned. Uh, I don't even have time to unpack everything that we're doing uh, for Holy Week and for the weekend preceding uh, Holy Week. But I will tell you, please, sign up for text messages. Stay dialed in to social media. Uh, Sign up for the emails, know what's going on because it's going to be a beautiful and a full week. And the two things that I want you to remember about Easter Sunday specifically, number one, our service times are changing to 9 and 11. In fact, it's already like kind of got down in me. Uh, I filmed a little story this morning that I was going to post to like encourage people to fight the rain and their sleepy urges and come to church. And then I realized I had put the service times in the bottom corner of the video, 9 and 11, and I had to delete it. I was like, oh, Lord, it's already in my brain. So 9 and 11, starting on Easter, going forward, those would be our service times. And then, of course, as always, uh, a big part of our culture, our hope is that we would always be considering who our one more is. Okay, who is your one more? Who is the person in your life, in your atmosphere, in your uh, circle of influence that you would like to see, meet Jesus among a community of people where they can be loved and belong before they believe. Amen? Like that. So who is your one more? And also, there's just going to be some really cool stuff. We're going to have some face painting. It may be a giant old-timey popcorn machine. It might be some cotton candy. I heard rumors of a petting zoo. Like, there's some things, and I'm dead serious. Now, nah, that one's not going to happen. We tried, though. We really did try. And they're like, no, nah, it's too short notice. So next year, we'll do a petting zoo. Uh, but Listen, it's going down. Start thinking about now who is your one more and who the Lord would have you to bring. Let me say a quick prayer and then we will jump in. Father, thank you for this time of worship and now thank you for the time we get in your word. Would it be truly transformative for us and would we be forever changed under the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, sis. Um, Here's what I know about human beings. Even uh, amid all of our doing, amid all of our doing, we still long to be. Is that a true statement? We, we long to be. That's why we're called human beings, because we long to be what it is that we are meant to be. And, and despite what our lives might look like, uh, we want to be fully present people. We want to be fully present to our people. We want to be fully present to our God. We want to be fully present to our souls. Listen, we want to be fully present in our own lives and not just kind of going through the motions, living reactionarily. Meaning that that we really desire to enjoy our lives while we are still living. In fact, I'm often reminded of David's words in the Psalms when he says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. None of us wants to wait until the end to experience all the good stuff that God has for us. But we have a challenge. There's a challenge to that longing that we all face. And it's a surprising challenge. It's a challenge that you probably wouldn't think is the thing that's actually keeping us from enjoying life the way God meant for us to enjoy life. And that challenge is pace pace I think Ricky Bobby the great theologian from Alabama captured it best when he said if you ain't first you're last and that's the pressure and the pace that we feel obligated to live under if we ain't first we're last particularly for those of us who come from third cultures or immigrant cultures or subdominant cultures you add to that regular pace the pressure of carrying all your people forward with you. And that becomes the greatest hurdle to us actually being who God had meant us to be, fully present people. It keeps us from being the main character in our own story. It keeps us at a speed at which uh, life is prohibiting us from enjoying it. The pace that we live is prohibiting us from truly living, and we feel it. In fact, your deacon hums let me know that you feel it. You know what a deacon hum is? Depending on what kind of church background you grew up in. Now, I haven't done this in a long time because we've been a fairly well-trained church. But if, if the word is hidden, you're supposed to say, amen. Right? And then if you really want to be advanced, you might even give a wave offer. Right? I was in a church one time, and this lady threw a Bible at me. And I was like, I know I'm preaching good. She's like, Whoop. I mean, it was, I was like, you've thrown shoes at your children before, for sure. But the beginning stages, the beginning stages is a deacon home. It's when you're not quite ready to step out there with a solid amen. And it's like, mm. There's a lot of that going on today. So I imagine this is landing squarely where I hoped it would. Here's the reality. This pace that we're living, how does it leave us feeling? Can I throw a couple words on it? Out of breath. Out of time. Out of time. Scattered. Without margin. Without margarine. Margarine. Margin. (laughs) If you live in this pace, you probably eat margarine. It leaves us feeling like spectators in our own life while time marches on. And that's not living. In fact, futurist David zack describes the pace we are keeping as hyper-living. There's actually a word for this, hyper-living. <laughs> And according to him, we are skimming along the surface of our life rather than actually living it. And here's the rub. Here is the rub. That is the exact opposite of the flourishing that God has for you. It's not what he wants for you. To be moving so quickly through your days that you don't actually get to live them. And believe me, I understand. I have already shared all of my mess. I share it every week, hoping that you'll start sharing your mess. And there have been more days than I can count where there was a beginning and an end and the middle felt like a blur. What did I actually get done today? Was I awake today? I'm tired, so I must have been. More days than I can count. And the pace at which I lived and and the moments that I have missed because of it became incredibly clear to me here again (laughs) Again, during the summer of 2017, for those of you who've been following my story, two years post-burnout where I had to flee to Hawaii. We were in California visiting Brianna's family, and her parents had a pool at that house. And all day long, all day long, uh, my girls and my then-pregnant wife, she was pregnant with Ella, uh, my my then-pregnant wife, they were in the pool all day long. And they were telling me, come out and play, Daddy, come out and play, come out to the pool, come out to the pool. And you know what I said? Well, I'm going to be out in a while, but I've got a lot of work to do. You see, I was studying to prepare to preach through the book of Ecclesiastes, which was the greatest mountain I've ever climbed. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that literally says, don't be too wicked and don't be too righteous. Now, how you supposed to stand up and preach that? Your boy, Pastor Doug, was like, you tell him, keep a little sin in your life. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that's what that's saying, Pastor Doug. So, so I, was, I was spending hours trying to understand Ecclesiastes, and, and in my study, something remarkable happened, something that God often does to us, right? In my study, I found myself challenged by the words that I was studying. Because over and over again, you read Ecclesiastes, and if you've been taught Ecclesiastes uh, is teaching that life is meaningless, you've been taught wrong, and that person should not preach the Bible anymore. Okay? No, what Ecclesiastes is actually saying repeatedly over and over and over again is to see every moment as meaningful because life is so fleeting. And I found myself challenged by those words. I found myself challenged by the call within it to see every moment as meaningful. Why? Because it's quite possible we might not ever get to live them again. We may never get to live those moments again. I'll never get to relive the toddler phase of any of my children. I'll never get to relive, with, with all of its issues, and I remember being a young parent, and after the first two, when the third one started to try to walk, I say, take pillows, throw it at his feet, throw it at his feet. <laughs> we don't want him mobile. Because our second one was a climber. So it was like, okay, we can just keep him immobile for a while. Maybe we won't find him standing on top of the counter trying to find cookies. I'll never get to relive those I'll never get to relive the honeymoon phase of my marriage again. Not because we're doing that work, girl. Every day is like a... And I just want you to know that. I Never get to relive those moments again and I felt compelled to examine my life. In fact, I even made a determination and for those who were on staff at the time, some of them are in here, I even made a determination that I was gonna calendar my life around living and then calendar work in the margins. I know, you can't even get your mind around that, right? Can't even get your mind around that. And sure enough, As much as I would like to tell you that going forward from that summer, I continued on my quest to truly live and to be fully present at every moment of my life, especially after a burnout, unfortunately, things went just the opposite. Why? Because we're hard-headed human beings. We returned home, and within a year, it was like the lessons of the moment had completely evacuated my mind. And over the years since, I have required a recalibration a reminding, times when I have to be taken back to the lessons and the learnings of the summer of 2017. No more recalibrating thing in my life exists than my daughter, my eldest daughter, constantly reminding me that she's two years from graduating high school. And I think to myself, "What what happened? Where's the little girl that used to sleep inside my shirt? That's where she liked to sleep until she was like two and a half years old. She would crawl into my shirt and go to sleep. Like, where's that child with the wild hair and the bright eyes? And it's gone. And we'll never get to relive that time again. And it always leaves me wondering, man, I'm getting a little teary-eyed. Sorry, y'all. It leaves me wondering, where did the time get off to? Where did it go? And somewhere deep down inside, I feel like I've missed more than I should. And that, friends, is sobering. And in all of this, what I'm trying to say to you. (laughs) Must have been a good word. They had to text their friends. What I'm trying to say to you is if I could guide you. If I could be your guide, if I could be by your side, I would guide you toward the recalibrating lessons of 2017. I would guide you toward looking at your life and reassessing how you live it. I would guide you toward the revelation that I had. And embracing this revelation, I would invite you to slow down. so that you can live your life instead of just skimming it. You see, being intentional about slowing my life so that I can be fully present to God and fully present to my peoples, fully present to my family, fully present to this church, And pushing myself to recalibrate, recalibrate, recalibrate. It has truly changed my life. And I would invite you into that change. It it has allowed me to have permission. Listen, this is going to sound crazy to some of y'all. Permission to enjoy my life. And you have permission to. You have permission to. What I would appeal to you is this. We need to slow down our lives so that we can live them and not skim them. We need to train ourselves to be fully present people, present to God, present to others, present to our own souls. Because here's the reality. The more time we spend at a quickened pace not enjoying our lives, the less enjoyable they become. And the more time—and this is the hardest one—the more time we treat each day as though we are guaranteed another, the faster they seem to fly by, and the more empty and repetitive and routine they feel. And so today we're going to look at the words of the teacher, many believe to be Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes. And he tells us, much like the famed words of the great film, The Shawshank Redemption, he tells us, get busy living. Get busy living because life is unpredictable and enjoyment is a gift from God. In fact, here's your invitation today. Live your life as though every moment has meaning. Do not move so quickly, to quote another great film, Inception, do not move so quickly that you wake up one day an old man or an old woman filled with regrets, because that, friends, is not living. The teacher whom many believe, I said again, to be Solomon, gives some sage wisdom about living when he writes this, go. Eat your bread with enjoyment and drink your wine with a merry heart. Somebody say Shabak. (laughs) For God has long ago approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. This was intentional. They tell me not to wear white on stage. I do what I want. Do not let oil be lacking on your head. It was for the illustration of the sermon. Enjoy life (laughs) with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that you are given under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. The teacher's command, his command, very simply, is embrace the good in your life before it is too late. Do not waste a day. That's why that emphatic go is at the start of that sentence. Go. Do not waste a day. Here is your wake-up call. Stop skimming, stop complaining, stop nursing your anger, stop brooding about your problems. Face your fears and your insecurities with the living God so that you can live. That's what he's saying. Eat your meals with pleasure. Don't just gulp them down. Don't treat food as pure fuel, but actually enjoy what God has granted you. God gives us food not only to sustain us, but to remind us of delight in this world. Drink your drinks with a merry heart, even if it's kombucha. If you don't know what kombucha is, diversify your friend circle. Okay, That usually goes the other way. Today, it was y'all's turn. All right, you need some Hennessy friends and some kombucha friends <laughs> and some sake friends. And if you don't have that whole spectrum, then you're not living. Drink your drinks with a merry heart, for God has provided wine and a wide variety of things. We'll call those other to enjoy and let it gladden your heart. Here's what he's saying. You you think he's just talking about food? No. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, so down to enjoy a meal in a moment. The Europeans have this figured out. I don't know why we can't get this. I don't know. We went to France a few summers ago uh, as a team to see some of our missionaries there, uh, who have since rolled off as missionaries. And nothing was open. You remember this? Nothing was open. I wanted to get some fresh baked bread. I was like, I need a French barat. It's a guttural sound. It's a guttural sound. Pardon moi. Avec moi. Tous ces French barat. And the bread place wasn't open. Nothing was open. And so finally, I said, why isn't anything open? And they're like, oh, well, they're on holiday. The whole country, the whole country, the whole country is on holiday for the whole month. I was like, Jesus, is this heaven? No, it's human beings who have decided that they're going to live and work rather than live to work. Enjoy, and and meals were long there. You're going to have a two or three hour meal. And time is negotiable. Two o'clock means five-ish. Right? And so what do you do when you show up early as an American and nobody else is there? Well, you cross your legs on the street at the cafe and you have a coffee and a nice cigar. At least that's what I saw people doing. I would never do that as a man of God. (laughs) The teacher follows this call to enjoy the simple pleasures of food and drink with an ancient saying. This is an ancient saying. He says, let your garments be white. We read that together. And keep some oil on your head. Apparently, white parties preceded modern rap culture. (laughs) keep it linen at all times. In seriousness, in the ancient Near East, white garments were your dress-up clothes. And festive occasions called for white robes. And heroes, when they came home in victory from battle, they would be robed in white. And when enslaved people gain their freedom they would be clothed in white so there's a lot of rich meaning to what he's saying he's saying that that every now and then you need to you need to put on something nice and feel good inside of it and celebrate living and celebrate freedom take a moment and I'm not talking about you know Toby Keith style celebrating freedom. I'm talking about celebrating the freedom that the Lord has provided. Okay. Again, I told you to diversify your friend circle. Okay? Just I'm gonna keep saying that. That's why we're a transcultural church. All right. You need some friends with some cowboy hats and some dirty boots. Are you not living? And what he says, don't let your head be lacking oil. What he means is to put on some fresh perfume, some fresh cologne. Okay? Oil was actually used to anoint the head. It was usually pricey and richly scented. And he said, get you a fresh cut. Get you a fresh cut. Look good. Smell good. Enjoy yourself. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Some of y'all are in here and you're not followers of the way of Jesus or you're new followers of the way of Jesus and you thought to yourself, all of this was drudgery. Why do I want to follow Jesus? They all look unhappy. That's because they're not obeying the Bible. When we obey the word of God, life looks pretty appealing. Get some oil on your head. Don't walk around ashy in Jesus' name. Listen, seriously, if you're moving too fast, so fast that you ain't got time to groom yourself in the morning. And this is an Atlanta thing. The things I have seen at stoplights and on the highway. Like you didn't have time to paint your toenails at home so your feet are up on the dashboard. This is a true story. Shaving and eating cereal at the same time? What if you lose something? Plucking eyebrows with tweezers, the pointy kind. So if you break suddenly or somebody hits you, guess what? You're in the eye patch club now. I've I've, I've seen these things... This is going to be my Ecclesiastes. Here are the things that I've seen under the sun in my main life. If you are moving so fast that you don't have time to groom yourself in the morning to put some lotion on. And I ain't just talking to brown folks. I've seen some ashy elbows on my Anglo brothers and sisters. I'm like, that don't hurt looks so dry. Are you not in pain? Can I offer you some usurin? You're moving too fast. You're moving too fast. Here's one better. Or because you stay up so late, death scrolling on social media and YouTube and Netflix that you can't wake up early enough to do what you need to do to get yourself together. Go to bed. Same message from three weeks ago. Bruh, just go to bed, bruh. Slow down. The third invitation from the teacher is more important than the first two. He encourages the reader, us, to enjoy the people we love. It's not just about the wife. It's a a euphemism for a larger understanding. To actually enjoy the people we love. In fact, this is totally off script. But I wanna read a text that I got from some of my people. And it's a quote from a song, a country song. Gotta find your people. Ones that make you feel all right. The kind you want to stay up with all night. Find your people and enjoy your people, okay? Enjoy your people, people that you can laugh with, that you can cut up with on the front row and act like you at a black funeral. Find your people. Find your people and enjoy your people, people you can laugh with. Listen, people that it's hard to say goodbye to, where you get in the car and you still saying bye and it's like you jump all the way in and you put one leg back out the car and then you're leaning out the car and then pretty soon you're standing up against the car leaning and your kids are like, dad, you said we were leaving an hour ago. You need some people like that in your life that anger your children Because you won't leave. That's what Solomon is saying here. That's what he's saying. And then if you want to delve a little deeper, just as a note for those of us who are married. Married people should prize one another as lovers rather than act entitled to their love. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Enjoy your people. Have intentional conversations. Pursue one another's hearts. Have some folks you cry with. Have awkward moments with. Did we cross a line? I don't know. But that's just between us. <laughs> what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. Have some people. Make memories. Create experiences for your children and your grandchildren and your nieces and your nephews. Show affection to the people that God has placed in your life while you have time to do so. You know what I miss more than anything? Right now in my life. Every time I was in the car, I would call my little brother. And we would talk. We talk about big things and small things and future plans and memes and politics and crazy women and crazy men and military. We just talk. Talk about my kids. And so now every time I get in the car, I have a longing to hear his voice. And gratefully, listen, gratefully, I don't have any regrets. Because the time that we did have, we made the most of it. And that's what he's saying. Enjoy your people while you can. Enjoy your people. Another way to say it is this way. Slow down long enough to know and be known. Slow down long. I'm way behind. Slow down long enough to know and be known. So I'm so wrapped up in this thing right now. Slow down long enough to know and be known. Now, the last thing the teacher says is to find great opportunities and maximize them. Hard work is a gift when seen and done rightly. So don't miss that. I'm not telling you you're not meant to work. In fact, I had a a seminary student say to me about the curse, you know, when God cursed the ground. And he said, see, I knew we weren't meant to work. I said, no, you're a lazy Gen Z. Work preceded the fall. What happened is that what was meant to be life-giving became drudgery. But here's the gift that we have in Jesus from Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Is that because we now walk in the redemptive nature of Jesus, even that which is supposed to feel like drudgery can be filled with joy and purpose when we are doing the thing that we're made to do. He reversed the curse. Bless God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One day, one day I'll get to preach how I want to preach. Invest your life in meaning-filled endeavors and moments. Pour yourself into business or ministry or serving or writing or art or sanitation or office management or whatever you do. Pour yourself into it in a life-giving and sustainable way and at a pace that allows you to live. And you will find delight in it if you're gifted and called to do it. And if you're not, guess what? We have this great thing called Growth Track that will help you find out how you're gifted and called. We've had people change jobs coming out of Growth Track. True story. That's Deacon Hum Level 3. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, what the teacher is saying throughout Ecclesiastes is life is not meaningless, it's meaningful. It's meaningful. So, enjoy your life, for there is something to be enjoyed in every life. Yes, it's full of complexities, life is full of complexities. And, yes, we're going to engage struggles, and we should engage those struggles in earnest. But at the end of the day, we fight to see the good and not waste a single moment not enjoying them. And, in fact, what the teacher does beautifully and repeatedly, and I hope you'll go back and read Ecclesiastes on your own at some point, he sets this enjoyment in the context of our view of, And proximity to God. In fact, if you were to go back and read Ecclesiastes in chapter 2, you would see that he says that enjoyment comes from the hand of God. And in chapter 3, it is God's gift to humanity. And in chapter 5, he keeps us occupied with joy. In chapter 9, what does he say? We just read it. God has long ago approved what you do. And as the psalmist writes, this is my favorite. The Lord gives wine to gladden the human heart, oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen. This is the gift from God. And hear me. Hear me. Look at me. This is truly spiritual. Asceticism, monasticism, that's not spiritual. That is self-flagellation. This is a spiritual life where we enjoy the gifts of God. Oh, come on, Lord. And we enjoy the created things without worshiping them. And keep our understanding of God's heart and God's gifting them to us at the center of that enjoyment. In fact, and this is the last thing I'll invite you to write down if you're taking notes. It it pleases God when we enjoy this life as best we can. Did you know that? The Bible literally says that he sings and dances over us. So whatever image of God you have, if it's not that one, it's wrong. He is pleased. When we enjoy our lives, it pleases him. When we enjoy the good gifts that he has entrusted to us. Now, if you're not a follower of the way of Jesus or you're still trying to figure out this whole idea of God, and it may come to a shock, or come as a shock to you rather, that God wants us to the best of our ability to enjoy the lives that we have, but that is what he wants. And this is not a hall pass to hedonism, okay? It's not a hall pass to do whatever you want or an invitation to see that that life is some big party without any moral consequences or responsibility. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that life with God it's filled with food and drink and laughter and healthy relationships and healthy self-image. And it is his gift to us. In other words, the, the invitation to follow the way of Jesus is not an invitation to be less human. It is an invitation to be human as God designed us to be. Full of joy and passion and compassion and enjoyment. And if you're going to follow Jesus this way, then the first step is to truly trust him. Now, if you are stirred, if we are stirred together in this just a little, what do we do now? What do we do? It's a very simple, very simple thing. Order your world in a way that allows you to slow down and live. That's it. Order your world in a way that allows you to slow down and live. There are... (laughs) Many implications and opportunities here, too many for me to list them all, but perhaps, perhaps ordering your world begins with having a proactive instead of a reactive schedule. And in the meantime, if undertaking the monumental task of reordering your life is too much, then maybe consider doing this one thing. You ready? Y'all not ready. You ready? Drive the speed limit in Atlanta. Drive the speed limit. Drive the speed limit in Atlanta. I promise you, I promise you that one decision will have a ripple effect in the whole way you live your life. I promise you. Because you're going to have to leave earlier on time now. Which means that you're going to have to go to bed at night. Which means that you're going to have to wake up at a reasonable hour. Which means that you're going to have to feed and groom yourself, not in the car. That's my one challenge to you. Even if it's just for a week. Slow down and drive the speed limit in this manic, frenetic, crazy city. And watch the things that you... listen. I'm being very earnest here. Watch the transformation God does in your heart from that one simple decision, especially on 75, where murder is the case that they gave me. These people have no regard for themselves or for other human beings. Now, if you don't slow down, then you already know where this ends. If you, don't, if, if you choose not to do this, you know where this ends with you continuing to skim your life instead of live it. That's where this ends. In fact, I was reminded of this again recently when Eden said to me with a straight face, I'm going to be gone soon, Dad. I got a little teary eyed. And it caught her off guard. But what happened in that moment is I saw 15 years of memories flash by. Every stage of her life flashed by. And I was reminded once again to be present in the moment with these people. Because these moments might be few and far between. So the invitation to us through this series, through this day, It's to unhurry, to slow down, to be present, to live life, listen, and to give a watching world a vision of how to be truly human. What a great gift God has placed in our hands. And I pray that we would steward it well. Father, thank you for your word and for the power of your word and for the transforming nature of your word. Lord God, would our hearts be challenged now? in a way that is undeniable, and would we experience the fruit of this day and the grace of this moment in a way that is truly, truly transformative. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.